Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Today we look at a big word that makes a big promise. Universalism is an area of Christian theology focused around the doctrine of universal reconciliation, the view that all human beings will ultimately be saved and restored to a right relationship with God. Sounds encouraging, doesn't it? Well, not so fast. Dr. Jennings is here via Skype to provide insights into how reconciliation actually works when it comes to God. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? Yeah, we're really going to talk about this question of universalism today because a lot of people hit me up with it. I travel around the world. I get emails about it Mm -hmm. because I present a God of love. And the argument that I'm presented with from people in the universalist camp is, well, if he's a God of love, then why won't all be saved? Yeah. Yeah. And where this comes from, I will tell you, the root to universalism and why this doctrine has come forward is because of the misunderstanding of God's law. And when you think of the word law, most people think of rules. Yeah. Yeah. But if I say law of gravity, laws of health, laws of physics, people immediately go, well, those aren't rules. Those are protocols on how the universe is built by God to operate. God as creator His laws are those types of laws, including the moral laws, that are the laws upon which reality and life are built. We as humans can't make those kinds of laws, so we make up rules, and then we call them laws, Uh and those types of laws require the ruling authority to be the source of inflicted pain and suffering. We call that punishment upon the rule breakers. When we accept the idea that God's law functions like human law— Then what happens in Christianity is the idea is introduced that God, in order to be just, becomes the source of inflicted pain and death that he meets out on his own children. Universalists reject this idea. They reject God as the source of pain, the source of suffering, and the source of death, and they are correct to reject it. Their problem, however, is they have not actually rejected the imperial law view. In the imperial law view, God's law works like our law. Mm -hmm. If God does not use his power to kill, does not punish the wicked, he just loves them, well, then everybody's saved because he doesn't kill them, because that's the problem with the law. But see, that's the lie. That's the lie that people believe. The truth, when you come back to design law, is that when we're out of harmony with God's law, we're actually damaged by it. We are hardened, our consciences are seared, we're corrupted, and in course of time, we sever our connection with God because we are so alienated from him, we don't want to be with him anymore, and that results in our ruin and death. Universalists don't understand this, and so they are right to reject the distortion of God, but they still are operating in the false legal model. I can sort of see why they want to do that, because that sort of gives you a license to just do whatever you want. I mean, I don't know if that's on their mind, but I can see why it would be on the mind of some. I think that could be another issue. People in the universalist camp that I've talked to actually would not endorse that view. Mm -hmm. They are very interested in living a healthy and holy and godly life, and they have a God of love that they worship. And because of the law of worship, by beholding we become changed, and they worship a God of consummate love, they are very compassionate and loving people in general, the ones that I've met. Mm -hmm. And they reject totally this idea of an authoritarian God who is a terrorizer and who we need someone to stand between us and 
plead to the father in order so the father won't become angry and kill us. They reject this entire idea. So most of them are quite godly, gracious people. But the idea of universalism is they deny the fact that there are people who can so destroy within themselves the faculties that respond to love and truth that no amount of love and no amount of truth, even when God infinitely appears before them with infinite love and truth, has any healing power. In fact, it causes them great suffering because they're so alienated to it. They reject this idea because they don't understand how reality works, the design laws of God. What do they not do that they should be doing with that type of philosophy in their mind and with that type of worldview? What is missing in their ministry? Well, I think for the universalists, most of them are probably in a, in the personal space, a pretty good space, worshiping a God of yeah, love, yeah. wanting to love other people, acting and living as Christ lives as a compassionate. The danger is the universalist philosophy are for those who haven't yet accepted God or Jesus mm-hmm. and hear the universalist philosophy. They're the ones who may likely say, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to be saved in the end anyway. So what difference does it make? Okay. That's a dangerous thing to take to the world. This is an understanding that's based on misunderstanding. Yes. Okay, the teaching is based on misunderstanding. Another another error in the universalist teaching, because of the imperial law model, is that forgiveness solves the sin problem. Mm-hmm. And that what we need from God is we need legal pardon or we need legal forgiveness. And since Jesus paid the debt on the cross and, and God forgives everybody, then everybody's had their debt paid, so everybody's going to be saved because there's nobody with an unpaid debt, you see, because God wants to forgive everybody. I believe First Timothy, where God wants all men to come to repentance, yeah. and Christ's yeah. death is sufficient to save all men. And I even believe God forgives all men, but the problem is God's forgiveness was never the problem. Hmm. God forgave before we asked. On the cross, Jesus, who has got the authority to forgive sins, forgives his crucifiers. But his forgiveness didn't change them because they didn't open their hearts to receive it and thus repent and have a transformation of heart. So even though they're forgiven by God, they remain in an unforgiven state, a state of unforgiveness, because they weren't changed by it, even though God is forgiving toward them. So the the distortion is this idea that what we need is we need to get God's forgiveness. Mm. No, God forgives everybody. What we need is we need to experience in our heart his grace and forgiveness that reconciles us to him. Now, the universalist view is that one day when God reveals himself in his full glory, it will be so overwhelming and so true that nobody can resist the truth at that point, and then all people will then accept God and all knees will bow and everyone will accept him as their savior. What they don't understand, again, is how reality works and how character is formed. God does have the power. He has the power to overwrite all individual hearts and minds and put in there whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. He can do that. Mm -hmm. But if he uses his power, Charles, to overwrite an individual heart and mind that's in rebellion, that's hateful, that's selfish, that's, that's perverted, and he writes in by his direct power a perfect righteous desires, what he has just done is he's destroyed the individuality of that person Mm -hmm. because that person didn't choose. Mm -hmm. And this is why it has to be a cooperative effort. The truth has to win us and then we have to choose to say yes to it. And it's in our choosing that we receive the truth and receive the spirit, receive the power that our individuality is retained in the healing process. For those who don't choose to participate with God, his revelation in an infinite way at the end of time where he reveals himself does not transform those who've hardened themselves 
because they choose against it. What it does is it consumes them. And this is the consuming fire of God that mm-hmm. consumes all this out of harmony. And it's it's a horrible experience for them because truth is hated by those who are liars and yeah. love is hated by those who are selfish. And so they are not transformed by it. So the universals, again, misunderstanding design law, misunderstanding how reality works, misperceive what will happen when God reveals himself in infinite truth and love. I like the fact that you identify that heaven will be filled with people who choose to be there, who have done the hard work, who have a allowed the Holy Spirit to do that work in them. That makes a very special group. And they're still individuals, too, you're saying. That's exactly right. The, they, they re, that's how we retain our individuality. Yes, in the yes, last fruit yes. of the Spirit, as the Spirit transforms us, we get all those fruits, grace, love, kindness, meekness. But the last one is self-control, mm. not God control. We never become puppets where God or the Holy Spirit pulls the strings. We become free, sentient beings. We have freedom in Christ, but we're restored to righteousness where we have freely chosen to reject the lie, to reject the selfish, to reject the the vile. And we have freely chosen to identify with, accept, and participate the virtues, righteousness, and love of God that is reproduced in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Universalism misses this because they believe that God's infinite truth will simply overwrite everyone. But if they do that, they're no longer individuals. They become simply robots or programs. Yeah, the word robot sprang to mind as I listened to you talk about that. I don't want to be a robot. I don't want anybody else to be a robot. I don't want my mom and dad to be a robot when I meet them in heaven. I want them to be that individual you spoke about who chose to be there as I did. That's good news, Dr. Jennings. That's exactly right. And this is what's so beautiful about coming to understand God as our creator, the builder of space, time, and reality. And then you begin to see how he operates and the methods that he uses. And his methods are the opposite of the methods of the world. His methods are truth presented in love, leaving people free. Because what God wants is he wants our love. He wants our loyalty. He wants our trust. He wants our devotion. You cannot get love, loyalty, trust, and devotion by coercion, by threatening to punish people who do not love you and trust you. And if you look in the world today, sadly, many Christians and people who accept the imperial law view, the imperial law view says, well, righteousness or justice requires that if you won't change your ways, then you must be punished. And we only want your love, but if you really won't love us and obey us, then we're going to torture and kill you. Mm -hmm. You see, that actually doesn't get love and trust. It destroys love and trust. And many Christians present God this way, and then they go into the world, and they want to get colds of governments to pass laws to force others to live the way that they think is right. In your experience, Dr. Jennings, what is keeping us from making that choice? What is keeping us from wanting to bring our individuality into the realm of God's love? What's standing in the way? I think the bottom root thing is a fundamental misunderstanding of our situation and reality. Mm -hmm. Most Christians think their problem is a legal problem. We are legally criminals in God's heavenly court, sentenced to an eternal death to be inflicted by the heavenly judge. And therefore, if that's our problem, we need a legal solution. We need someone to take our place and be executed in our place and then apply the payment of their paid debt life to our heavenly ledger, and then God legally accounts us to be in a legally paid state, righteous, even though we're not, is Mm -hmm. what it's taught. Mm -hmm. And this is a big fraud. The Bible tells us that Christ is our substitute, 
but in what? Notice the second Corinthians 5.21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's substitution. He mm-hmm. became our substitute. But notice why. Here's the reason the Bible gives. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Not so that we might be declared the righteousness of God. You see, we actually get transformed, recreated. We get a new heart and right spirit. We have the heart circumcised by the Holy Spirit. We have the law written in the heart and mind. The law is not a list of rules. The law is the law of love, the law of liberty, the law upon which life is built, the motives, the drives, the desires, the character of Christ reproduced in us. This is the reality that God has for us. And people at the fundamental level don't even seek that reality because they've been told their problem isn't with their character that needs to be healed, their problem is their legal standing, which needs to be changed in a book somewhere, mm-hmm. not in a heart. Mm-hmm. But God wants to win us to love and trust, and only by by representing him as the creator, worshiping him who made the heavens, the seas, and, and the earth, and all that in them is, worshiping him as creator, and seeing his laws of the laws upon which reality are built, brings us back to trust where we invite him in to do his healing work. My, my, such beautiful, hopeful words today from Dr. Jennings. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much. I want to tell our audience to go to uh, comeandreason.com. What are some of the things we're going to find there, Dr. Jennings, when they go to your website? So on our website, we have available the Remedy New Testament paraphrase that people can see. We have multiple topic sections that people can go to and get resources on life's tough questions, brain and body health, human sexuality, mental health and healing. We have blogs. We have uh, various seminars that we've done on various topics. We're developing and opening now a language section where we're going to have some of our resources available in different languages. Right now, we have uh, some things up in Polish, Bulgarian, and Portuguese, and we're going to be adding more as time unfolds. All right, very good. All at comeandreason.com, listener. Dr. Jennings, always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.